Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Do you need heavy equipment or farm equipment? Look no further than Southern Equipment and Parts in Laurel. We have a wide selection of new and used equipment from many top brands. We also offer parts, service, and rentals. Whether you're a contractor, farmer, or just need help around the house, we have what you need. Southern Equipment is your one-stop shop for all farm and heavy equipment. Visit us at 5237 Highway 84 West and southernequipparts.com or call 601-651-4555. Or pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. And we're glad you are. Welcome to the Eagle Hour on Super Talk Mississippi. Bob and Kelly and Luke, we're in the Southern Bank Corps studios here in Hattiesburg. And Laurel, we're glad you're with us. A rainy afternoon here in South Mississippi, but a good show coming for you. Matt Stoltz, uh, play-by-play voice for Arkansas State, joining us later. What, what is their... They're the Red Wolves now. They used Red to be Wolves. the Indians. We but, can't have that. So right. they're, now they're the Red Wolves. Uh, and Jenny Hazelwood, uh, women's volleyball coach, about to join us as well. Glad you're with us this afternoon. Dickie's Barbecue Pit sponsors the first segment of the Eagle Hour every day, and we appreciate all they do. Great uh, supporters of Southern Miss Athletics. Coach Jenny Hazelwood on the Eagle Hour of volleyball set to kick off. It's right here, Coach. Next Friday, you guys will be going uh, over to the dark side at the University of Alabama. <laughs> Uh, to play San Antonio, McNeese, and Alabama in a uh, tournament. The first of four tournaments to kick off the season. I know you're pretty excited about getting things underway. Yep, we are so excited. And we've had, we had a great offseason last spring. And, you know, we have we had a lot of people on the roster, you know, here in the spring. So we were able to pick up where we left off this fall with our preseason training, and uh, the team is looking great. And we are really excited to just get to play and get the season kicked off. Is this a, a normal way to play your non-conference uh, games in uh, collegiate volleyball with tournaments? You've got a tournament at Alabama, at Mercer. You're going to host a tournament at Southern Miss and then a tournament at Jackson State. It is. The, the non-conference part of every you know, college volleyball schedule is will take place before we hit conference play, and, and it's always tournament style. And, um, you know, it, you usually will try to play three matches. Sometimes now we'll see uh, schools maybe playing two, um, but it, it's pretty typical. Coach, going into to fall practices, you, there had to be some areas of the team that you were comfortable with going in, some things that you weren't so comfortable with. How have you made progress in both of those areas? Well, we knew that we had a lot of depth and just the work ethic that we saw in the gym in the spring, it was really, really nice to know that that piece was there and uh, we have really strong pins our middle play was really outstanding a phenomenal setter really strong ds's and then we knew what we had coming in which was you know players that only strengthened our 
you know, in, in those positions. Megan Harris in the DS Libero position has been fantastic, and she transferred in uh, from another Division One school. And Maddie Bowles, a grad transfer, as, as an opposite, she left the opposite. Just has brought so much, not just with her experience, but her demeanor on the court. And, you know, there's so much more than just her gameplay. And, um, you know, that's the kind of stuff that you you don't always see in a stat sheet, you know. And um, so just some of the things like that. And look, we have a, a true freshman that um, Kaylin Dents, she is going to be a special volleyball player. And she's one that people need to keep an eye on. And, you know, she's number seven. And she's, I think, going to do some special things in her time here. And and she was signed early. I mean, you know, like, she's, she was coming here when I, when I got this job. Like, but she's fun to coach. She's fun to watch. And um, she, she's been, had a really good preseason. Yeah, my, my last question for you, I know you've got plenty of a pre uh, conference play ahead of you, but when you head to the Sun Belt, has there traditionally been a stud, so to speak, in in women's volleyball and Sun Belt? Who are who are some of the top two teams that you expect uh, will battle yeah, you know, for the well, title? So you've got a, a few things going on in the Sun Belt, which is going to be awesome. You, James Madison's another new program in the Sun Belt, and they have been a, a school that has dominated in the conference they came from, um, the Colonial Athletic. And so NCAA tournament team, year in, year out, they're, they're really good, really well coached. So, um, And then the division that Southern Miss is in is, has a bunch, uh, like a number of really good programs. Texas State um, has been one of the strongest in the West. You know, they beat Texas last year. But that, that tells you the level of good. The Texas State is South Alabama, then turns around and wins the conference tournament over Texas State. So the West is really strong, um, and and then even in the East, you know, Coastal Carolina is good. You know, you so you've got, um, and, and that's not all. You know, like we, the, you've got a number of strong teams. I think the Sun Belt is going to just continue to get stronger and stronger. And you know, I I know that outside of our program, people don't realize how good we're going to be, but we're going to be competing right there. Luke. Coach, thanks so much for coming on today. Just kind of maybe a 30,000-foot question, you know, in, in other sports, and, and I want you to educate me on, on this. You know, in some other sports, you say that team's more offensive-minded, more defensive-minded. Is, is that even a thing in volleyball? And if so, how would you characterize this year's squad with strategy? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely can be. Um, and really, I mean, as a coach, you hope your team will do both. And I, I think we're good at both honestly. Um, and if you're doing your job as a coach, if your team serves well, um, that means, you know, your the other team can't hit as well because they're not passing that that strong. And then you're really good at defense, right? Because the other team can't hit, <laughs> hit that good yeah. because they're not up at the net. The pass isn't at the net. And then um, if you're passing well, then your hitters are going to be in good situations and all of a sudden you're a really good hitting team. And so for us, like we we focus a lot on serving and passing, and all of a sudden now we're a great offensive team and defensive team, um, and, and so that's really a huge key. We do spend a ton of time def- on working on our block, and our defense, and attacking game, and, and all of that. But um, 
serve tough and you pass pass well, which are two the two biggest keys in the sport of volleyball, then it makes those other things so much easier. You talked about some of your players, but but just like looking at the roster, a, a lot of coaches because I've, I've we've covered some coaches that when they came in. You know, they just had a really, really young team. You've got some freshmen and sophomores, but man, there's a lot of juniors on this team, and, and I think that that helps you well with with uh, you know the the age makeup of this roster. Most definitely, and you know, it's it's with COVID, it's hard to even say. I, I don't know what year this player is, but um, we we have a number of players that have been playing at the collegiate level for a while, and. Yeah, so they're bringing so much experience, and not just experience, but they've been through a lot. You know, they've been through a pandemic and trying to do all this stuff. So they definitely have been resilient and trained through a lot of things, and so they're able to use that. And you know, no matter the circumstances we're putting them in, they're able to to go out there and try to you know fight through and push through and. Yeah, we had a, our exhibition match last night, and you know, it, it was really impressive to see some of the you know faced with this, and we responded really well. And I, I think it's going to be a great season because of the experience we do have on our roster. Coach, I think I think one dead giveaway that a, that a young lady's been in college for a long, long time, even outside the pandemic, is if she ever has on her resume that she played. Olympically for East Germany, she's probably too old. <laughs> well, you might want to check her out. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Hey, Coach, uh, just a minute left. Uh, your first uh, tournament next weekend, you've got matches with Texas San Antonio, McNeese, and Alabama. That a pretty good measuring stick to uh, kick off the year with? Yeah, and, you know, the interesting fact about that tournament, all four programs have new head coaches. So it'll, it will be interesting because, you know, while you can see, you know, where we all measure up, it's, there's also a fresh, you know, who knows where each program is going to be because they've got new head coaches and transfers came into a lot of those schools. And so it's going to be a lot of fun, I think, to just see where everybody measures up. All right. We sure appreciate you coming on the Eagle Hour. We'll check in with you in a few weeks to see how things are going. Is that good? Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, Coach. Coach Jenny Hazelwood, uh, ladies volleyball coach uh, at Southern Miss. Uh, they have that tournament this weekend. Then they play at Mercer. Then they host a tournament at Southern Miss in the volleyball complex here, of course. And uh, then they're on the road uh, for a tournament with Jackson State. So we'll see pretty quick, Kelly Sander, just how improved they are. And and knowing what they know about the other teams, I mean, Coach Hazel, she just Coach Hazel was just saying that. She thinks they're going to be competitive in every single match they play this year. And really, as a fan, that's all you really want is, your, is to know that when you take the court, field, whatever, that you got a chance to win. So it'll, I, guess, I want to win every game. Guess uh, who we open up in the Sunbelt Conference with in volleyball. Just guess. You'll never guess. South Alabama. South Alabama. That would have been September my 23rd. guess. Too. <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll be back.
tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. All right, thanks to Coach Jenny Hazelwood. Good luck to her and her ladies as uh, volleyball begins uh, next Friday as they, they travel to the University of Alabama to play Texas San Antonio, McNeese State, and Alabama. This segment of the show is sponsored by Campus Bookboard and CampusBookboard.net. It's a great place for you to go get their apparel. I was in there Saturday, actually, and the, they do have a lot of new stuff. And, and what is announced uh, today, as far as I know, that the first game, the opener uh, against Liberty, is going to be a gold out at gold the stadium. Out. I got you. Yeah, so if you're going to get your new apparel, make sure you get the gold stuff first so that you can... Uh, so that you can wear it for the opener. All right, make sure you tell them you heard all about the place on the Eagle Hour. And actually, when I was in there, there was a couple that came in and told uh, told them that they had just heard uh, Joy Lee McNellis plugging them uh, on the Eagle Hour. All right, so a campus bookmark, campus bookmark, not that. All right, so it came out. We had had Jeremy McLean on the show earlier, and he had talked about this strategic plan, and it was important to him to get it out. Uh, and it was published uh, this morning. We all got the emails about it. I'm just go over the the highlights here, and you guys can comment on it. Uh, in general, the objectives are grow all sports budgets to the top half of conference budgets to improve infrastructure and support Olympic athletics to reevaluate scheduling for all sports to put teams in the best postseason positions and to generate fan interest to improve game day experiences. Facility wise, to upgrade and modernize Reed Green Coliseum to build a new golf center to move facilities where possible back to campus, and I would assume that references the softball field and the track complex, which is not on the campus, and that certainly makes sense, and to approve infrastructure for Olympic sports. So, Kelly, you summed it up in my office. Nothing really new here. This is what we all anticipated, but but good that Jeremy McClain put a plan on paper, and now there's a goal to follow. And, and with all due respect to his predecessors, I, I've been around a long time, and I've never seen a Southern Miss athletic director put it out there like this, that this is the vision, right? this is the goal. Of course, the bottom line in all this, too, is money. Money, money. money. I mean, it, it takes money to do these sorts of things. That's why we kind of mentioned yesterday that there's a, a drive now to, to break the Eagle Club records as far as number of Eagle Club members, money's raised by the Eagle Club. That kind of starts the momentum on this thing, but – and and. In fairness, they've also they've already got started on some of these things because we've talked about uh, with Coach center. Eddie Brescher. You know, the golf center is already you know underway, so there's already some things happening. And Luke Johnson, you know, mentioned on this show probably a month ago that that it would be great if softball, in particular, you know, could uh, be moved uh, back is, to the is campus. Is it just a coincidence that you made your Eagle Club donation and then this lofty goal came out? Oh no, I just I just I just think it's I just think it's a good place. For with the renewed enthusiasm of the program and the, the move to the Sun Belt, this is as good a time as any, and maybe it'll start a good habit. of. Uh, Hope so. Yeah. Uh, Luke, I think it would be good to move uh, the softball complex on the campus and to play softball on campus the way you do baseball. Yeah, I think that's the case. You know, with the track complex, you got two sports out there. you got track and field and you got soccer. Um, and this, and you know, it may have been, we were kind of wondering, you know, with, with the soccer success, why don't we get lights there why, why don't they you know be able to play night games and it may be because you're not going to spend money to put lights up when you you know intend to bring them back on campus fairly soon um you know thinking about places on campus where where they might be of course the intramural fields stand out there 
um, where, where you could put a softball complex there. But I would think softball would be more of a necessity, first and foremost, than, than track and field and soccer, um, simply because you, you would just move one sport, not, not two. Uh, a couple more things to, to noteworthy when you talk in money. They, they gave up in, in the, the plan, the PDF file, um, that's posted on, on southernmiss.com. They, they want to raise 50 more million uh, through what they call the Give Wing Capital campaign. So here's some specific goals laid out. 50 million want to raise, but they want to get to 15,000 season ticket holders. 10,000 for football, 3,000 for baseball, 1,500 for men's basketball, and then 500 all over. They want to lock in a long term media rights agreement. Uh, want to increase Eagle Club membership by 25%. We've seen that the last few weeks on southernmiss.com. They want to grow the circle of champion membership by 10 members each year to reach 200. That's how Kelly's going to be a part. Um, all right, walk me through this one. Aggressively seek naming right partners for athletic facilities. Is that basically asking like corporate sponsors to, you know, Reed Green Coliseum or, you know, the whatever Reed Green Coliseum, the whatever M.M. Roberts Stadium. Is that what, what that it sounds means? like to me? That's what exa- that's exactly what it means. Uh, you know, the way that the NFL has gone, the way that a, a lot of other, you know, big time college programs where their facilities have gone and and corporations have got big, big money to do those sorts of things. So um, as Jeremy has, has said on this show many times, you've got to. Uncover un- uncover every rock where there's potential funding. Uh, you would you would think too because what did you what did you say yesterday, Kelly? the 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 highest the Eagle Club membership was was twenty right over twenty seven hundred, something like that. Yeah, and it right now it's in the twenty three twenty four hundred. That that just really surprised me because I mean you're talking about you know people that give twenty dollars a month, people that give a hundred dollars a month. It would seem you know we would push more, and I know they have like a recent graduate Eagle Club. Uh, but that that number seems surprisingly down to me, and and would seem like that would be, you know, pretty. You could get to that number fairly quick, and and I don't understand why we have it. Well, here's here's one thing. This is no secret, but but the most glaring of all is Reed Green Coliseum, the improvements that are needed there, the improvement uh, that they hope to get with the basketball program. Because Kelly, there really is no sport that can make you more money. If it's done right, then basketball, because your overhead is very low, and the reward for being in the postseason is very, very high. Yeah, your scholarship bill is one of the cheapest on it's campus. A gener- it's a money-generating sport if you can get it going. And remember that the city of Hattiesburg, in cooperation with Southern Miss, you know, they passed that that one cent uh, tax. You know, that is going to help not only Camper Park and Sanger Theater and some of the other things in Hattiesburg, but going toward the improvements in Reed Green Coliseum. So they, they even have a jump there. Uh, but looking at the at the long-term goals, you know, you, Luke, you were talking about bringing softball back to campus and potentially track and field. But then the question becomes, all right, where, where can the university acquire more land, right? Because it's obviously going to, if they don't go to the intramural field, and then where are you going to park people? So I think in a, in a perfect world, if Southern Miss could somehow get all the land you know, between Highway 49 and, say, 38th Avenue, if you're familiar with the layout of Hattiesburg, and just put all of their, you know, sports facilities and move some things around and just have that, you know, Hardy Street to the south, Highway 49 to the east, uh, 4th Street or maybe even 7th Street to the north, and then 38th Street to the west. Well, what would you guys think about putting a softball field where those intramural fields are behind the basketball arena? 
Seems like that'd be a great spot. For sure, but but intramurals are a very integral part of the college experience. So I'm saying that would be the logical place to put softball, but then you'd have to find somewhere else to put. Maybe you could move that those facilities, you know, to to New Land. That would be yeah. That, I think that would logistically would be the would be the easiest thing to do. But where? And that's what I'm saying. The, if they can acquire the some more land, that we've always struggled with was the as, as Hattiesburg came about, it built around the university, and so. You know, we have, and it was great when you were a student there. I mean, you know, within you know seven or eight minutes, you could be anywhere on campus, which right. is great. If you're, if you know, you sleep late or whatever, but it has not allowed the university to expand. I mean, I think, I think I saw where like the apartment, the apartments right to the left of the Pete, or so to the west of the Pete, are on you know were for sale. But I'm saying, you know. You're talking about multiple millions of dollars, sure. you know. So it's it's pretty. That's the problem. That's the only problem that Southern Miss is faced with expansion is just being landlocked as they are. And we're talking about contributions to the Eagle Club and so on. You remember that that like there's a school up north in Mississippi that graduates a lot of lawyers and doctors who mm-hmm. tend to be more. Yeah, I can't remember the name. Of yeah, it, but yeah, you're but, right. But they tend to be more high net worth individuals. Southern Miss was you know founded as a teachers college and still cranks out a lot of teachers which generally speaking don't make near the money that say you know physicians and attorneys do so there that alumni base just doesn't you know have the money like some of these other schools well, so, of everything that's in this proposal clearly the biggest challenge is raising the money that's it and that that you can accomplish all of that if you have the money but it, you got to get the money and and to those of you listening they will take a check yeah, they will. <laughs> if you're willing to, to write one, they, they will take it. But anyway, congratulations uh, to Jeremy for, for for having the courage to set a plan out there that everybody can see and point out this is what we need to do and we need your help to get there. I mean, he's laid it all out on the table, so now it's up to the people that uh, say they support and love the university to make it happen. And there's, and there's more to that than just this. It speaks of the fact of how bold he is – with an interim president, without a the, the the permanent president isn't in place yet. It won't be for for quite some time. But it shows you that Dr. Bennett and Dr. Paul are all in on this thing. And guess what? If you're the next president of Southern Miss, it will already be in motion. Where guess what? You'll get behind it as well. That that to me is is leadership on Jeremy's part. And, and you've all, we've all heard the adage: if you see it, you can be it. Right. So here it is. I mean, Jeremy McLean has put it all out there for you to see. So now that it's there to see, let's be it. All right, what's going on at Arkansas State University? How's their football team looking? We're going to talk to Matt Stoltz and find that out. You're listening to the Super Talk Eagle Hour. We'll be right back. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, welcome back to the Eagle Hour. Glad to have you on a Thursday afternoon on the Super Talk Radio Network. You can also hear our podcast every day 
on Apple Podcast, Audible, Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or you can tell Alexa to play the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Quick reminder, next Thursday, uh, the guys will be back on the road at Ramey Motors uh, down in Purvis. Let's see here. On the 31st, we're going to be doing a two-hour Eagle Hour program from Mobe Beignet. We're all looking forward to that. Uh, the following Friday, we're going to be at the 4th Street Bar and Grill to kick off the football season right there in the shadow of the rock. So be honest with me, Sander. What are you most looking forward to, 4th Street or Mo Bay, from a from a connoisseur standpoint? Gosh, can you're making me choose? This is like Sophie's gonna, choice for heaven's sake. Chew sakes. on rubber or chew on beignets? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're talking culinary, there's only one choice. Well, Fourth Street, they may have some cookies out though for you, though, Sander. Fourth Street Bar and Grill makes a darn good lunch uh, too. Uh, no, well, we'll check that out. Make sure that that's still the case. I'm sure. All right, want to uh, welcome Max Stoltz to the Eagle Hour. He is the play-by-play voice of Arkansas State University. Been on the show before. Glad to have him back. Want to talk to you about some Red Wolves football, Matt. Uh, I hear you guys had a really top-notch recruiting class. Uh, some say the best in the league this past year. Uh, so how does that translate to the field? What are you looking for out of your team? Well, that's a million-dollar question right now, to just see how that talent uh, does translate to the field. And you know, just watching preseason workouts right now, it's interesting because I've never seen anything like it before. But we've got you know, 68 newcomers going through – uh, fall camp, and you know, uh, it's been a uh, really a complete overhaul by Butch Jones and his staff. And, and you mentioned the signing class, and it was ranked you know, number one in the Sun Belt by pretty much any publication you look at, and number two in the group of five. So they went out and, and really did a good job uh, recruiting. They brought in uh, upwards of you know fourteen, fifteen uh, Division one transfers uh, as well. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a very different-looking team than what we saw a year ago, and, and they needed to do some different things. Uh, they went 2-10 and 10 last season, which was uh, the worst season in quite some time at Arkansas State. Quite a run there with nine consecutive winning seasons. Went 4-7 and seven in the COVID year in, in 2020, which was Blake Anderson's last season, and then you know, Butch Jones came in a year ago. But uh, this, this staff has recruited really, really hard, and – uh, they believe they brought in some good talent. Two two things that really strike me: you you have such a good recruiting class and a transfer class uh, after a bad season, and then again, people that I, I lived up in Northwest Mississippi for a long time, so I understand what you're up against in recruiting for players against the Arkansas Razorbacks. So I mean, it uh, it uh, had to be a, just a great job by the coaching staff. Yeah, they, they really, really hit the road hard. And the thing about Northeast Arkansas and Jonesboro, it's a great area, but if you're looking for football talent, you're, you're really going to have to go several hours down the road. And, and really, we've had a lot of success over the years going into you know, southern Mississippi. And we've had a lot of success recruiting in Alabama and Louisiana and, and on up into Missouri. But, you know, it's been um, – you know, it's been a challenge to find a, a lot of good talent inside the state of Arkansas. So you're right in that regard. I think they certainly have new challenges, as does everybody else with the transfer portal. And, and obviously you're going to lose some players there, but I think Butch Jones and his staff have done a really good job at 
finding guys to kind of fill some needs uh, going into this year and, you know, just watching this team go through preseason workouts, it does look like a much better team than what they put on the field a year ago. Luke? Matt, let's talk about the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Heckendorf, your OC, kind of Southern misconnection. He was with Larry Fedora and uh, and Blake Anderson uh, up at North Carolina. Is that the type of um, offense that that we'll see in year two um, under under him is is you know a, a spread getting people all everywhere in space like the old Fedora and Anderson offenses. Yeah, I think there's a lot of that. I, I think when you look at Keith Heckendorf's uh, offense, you're going to see a lot of that you know Blake Anderson type influence and what they were actually running here and. Hey, Keith Eckendorf was actually the OC under Blake Anderson for the final two years uh, that Coach Anderson was here before he left for Utah State. Butch Jones then hired Keith Eckendorf to continue being the offensive coordinator here. So uh, I think that kind of tells you a lot about uh, you know Coach Heck's reputation and the kind of job he does on the offensive side of the ball. Now, of course, Butch Jones came from Alabama. He had spent three years on right. Coach Saban's staff, and a lot of the things that you see on uh, Alabama with with the offense and their system that they've run over the last handful of years, you know, I think you see a lot of similarities now with that A-State offense. I think you know, they form kind of a good hybrid of what they were doing at Alabama and some of the stuff that you saw before uh, at Arkansas State. You lost a, a big one in the transfer portal. Corey Rucker going to South Carolina had over 800 yards, nine touchdowns free last year. Who's going to fill his shoes, and, and who's going to be throwing the ball to the receivers? Well, James Blackman's the quarterback, and he's a really interesting story. He's, he's a guy that threw for over 5,000 yards in his career at Florida State, just an outstanding young man. And and uh, even when he came in last year, the starting job wasn't promised to him. He won the preseason, won the job in preseason camp. Uh, he competed against Lane Hatcher, and, and still that was kind of a back and forth uh, battle throughout the course of the season. Now uh, James got hurt about six games in, didn't play again after that. So really, it was a small sample size from Blackman last year, but. Lane Hatcher ended up transferring to Texas State, and now you know James Blackman is the guy. And uh, he's get a, got a big arm. He's put on a little bit of uh, muscle, put on about 12 pounds of muscle, and, and really he, he's not a, a very thick guy to begin with. He's listed at about 6'5", 190. Uh, he may be closer to 200 now, but, I mean, it, it's not a – uh, you know, it's not a quarterback that, that's a really big body, but he's he's a guy that uh, does have a big arm, and hey, he can he can get it to those receivers. And you asked about those guys. Tavalen Hunt is actually the leading returning receiver in the Sun Belt. He's a former TCU transfer. Uh, he's a guy that will get the ball a lot. Uh, Jeff Foreman has been around a couple of years. He's good on the outside and. You know, one of those transfers that uh, I was talking about earlier is a kid from Oregon State. His name is Champ Flemings, and he was actually playing on the outside at Oregon State. He'll be playing in the slot here at A-State, but he, he's a little bitty dude, but he sure can run. He's 5'5", 142, but uh, we feel like uh, he can be a really special type of playmaker here. 
Kelly. So, coach, uh, uh, coach, when, when you look at uh, when you look at this A State uh, Red Wolves team last year, it hasn't been a, a lot of wins as you mentioned in the last couple of years. What part of the of the team bled the most? Was it the defensive side or the, or the offensive side? Where's where's been the what's been most problematic? Which side of the ball? Well, I mean, it's been a combination of things. And really, you go back to uh, last season and, you know, the the first half of the year, the offense was was doing some really nice things and the defense was really struggling, especially when it came to giving up big plays. And then the second half of the year, it completely flip-flopped. The defense played significantly better and the offense wasn't performing the way they were the first half of the year. And I think the the biggest things that they needed to address in the offseason were, number one, the offensive line, and I, I think they've done a really good job at uh, you know, building some guys up that, that were already here and then bringing in some transfers uh, that, that have really helped uh, beef up that offensive line, kind of solidify that unit a, a little bit more. I think they're going to be much improved this year. And then, you know, on the interior part of that defensive line, that's where A-State really had some issues uh, a year ago. They're, they're still trying to kind of find the right combination there. But I think they, they've done a good job at, at kind of uh, filling some needs as far as the linebackers and the secondary. So I think all in all, uh, they've, they've done a good job at, at trying to uh, go out, whether it be through – uh, the signing class or whether you know it, it be through transfers and, and kind of filling those needs going into this year. Yeah, and to your point earlier when you talked about going into South Mississippi and even getting some recruits going back, um, it's, been, it's been a few years now, but, but right here at Oak Grove High School, over my right shoulder looking out this window, Adam Gaston was a long snapper at uh, Arkansas oh, yeah. State. Matt Mandich was a really good offensive tackle from Oak Grove that went to Arkansas State. So there's been some South Mississippi blood um, up that way for sure oh yeah adam was a fantastic long snapper i think he started all four years that he was uh, at arkansas state and i think matt mandich may have been in in that uh, same type of category really good offensive tackle for us i think he started all four years with an all-conference selection for us so yeah those are two really good examples of some players that Arkansas State was able to uh, go down and get out of southern Mississippi and and have a lot of success with. All right, Matt, we really appreciate your time. Look forward to uh, having the Red Wolves here this uh, this fall. Look forward to seeing you. Yeah, we'll see you October 15th. All right, Matt Stoltz, everybody. Arkansas State University, the Red Wolves, formerly known as the Indians. Made that move in 2008. They made the change. We'll be back. Southern Miss to the top. Appreciate Matt Stoltz from Arkansas State joining us in that third segment. The Red Wolves will come to Hattiesburg on October 15th to take on the Golden Eagles. Begin the season September 3rd against Grambling State at home, then three road games at Ohio State, at Memphis, 
And then on September 24th, they start the Sun Belt at Old Dominion. Um, their East opponents are Old Dominion and James Madison. So uh, Eagles will take on the Red Wolves October 15th. Luke Johnson, Bob Getty, Kelly Sander from the Southern Bank Horror Studios in Hattiesburg. And Laurel, earlier on the show, in case you missed it, we interviewed uh, Southern Miss Volleyball head coach Jenny Hazelwood and then talked through the strategic plan that has uh, been released by the athletic department today. Great leadership from Jeremy McLean. If you missed those interviews or if you missed uh, the Arkansas State preview last segment, you can always uh, go find us on Supertalk's website on demand or on a plethora of uh, podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Audible. All right, a couple news and notes. Southern Miss Soccer officially begins um, today. Uh, they will take on Mississippi Gulf Coast uh, at 2 this afternoon, so uh, just about six minutes away from the opening of the season. And uh, Carly Malden, now the assistant coach at uh, at Perk, so uh, we know these two teams well, but Coach Mo and, and the ladies will officially start today after winning two exhibition games. Football today, they initially had, had canceled practice uh, because of the weather, but decided to go back out for uh, for about an hour. Uh, so I think they're they're in the middle of practice right now, just to clean up some stuff, address some stuff that they saw on the tape from the scrimmage. All right, Arkansas State guys. Um, I, I remember. I think if if you rem- you watched Florida State three or four years ago, I remember the Blackman kid. He's a good looking kid. Just kind of was overwhelmed when he was uh, you know started college football. But man, I mean, they got. 68 new people coming in. That's crazy. Yeah, and I and I have to wonder, even though that is, you know, they've been voted as the best recruiting class in the Sun Belt, I just can't help but think when you have that many new people, it's going to be a struggle, you know, sorting through all that and getting trying to develop some chemistry, you know, early on in the year. So, I, I mean, even though there's all these new guys, it was a great class, I still look for them to – to, to struggle a little bit to find their identity, maybe all the way till midway through the season. That's why they're our homecoming game, Kelly. <laughs> well, I, let's I hope still, that works out. Man, I still don't like scheduling a conference game for homecoming. I just I don't like it, no matter who it is. And that yeah, the fifth. Well, the, it had to be in October. Is is the heavy homecoming month, right? So. Well, sometimes you're just kind of at the mercy of the, of the scheduling guys. You are, you know? because when you play all four non-conference up top, you, you can't schedule somebody in, in late October. And you look at poor Arkansas State, like Luke mentioned, but three out of their first four games are on the road. Yeah, I mean, three three consecutive games on the road, man. That's, With 60 new players. Yeah, that, that's tough. But they get good. They, the good thing about their schedule is they get three out of four uh, at the end at home, and that's the way yeah. you want to finish and they're probably they probably will know more what they have toward the end of the year as well, right? So, Jason Munt's on the Eagle Hour tomorrow. He's a, of course longtime writer here in Hattiesburg, and uh, now with the Commercial Appeal, always great to have a conversation with him. And I do want to point this out, and and I don't I don't have it here in front of me, but we've made a lot of a lot of hay about how sorry the Hattiesburg American has been at covering Southern Miss sports, but they have hired a, a writer dedicated to doing that i met the young man uh last saturday at the football practice and jack uh gave me his endorsement that the kids really at every practice really working hard really doing the best job he can do covering southern miss sports so i've invited him to start joining us every monday because he is the the new beat writer for southern miss sports and uh i think you got you may have met him at practice i did a very impressive young man uh, from Pennsylvania, Penn State guy. 
uh, but really enthusiastic about providing some local newspaper coverage long overdue for the Division One University right here in Hattiesburg. So we're extending the olive branch, and uh, and we're all going to collectively cut the Americans some slack here as there's obviously some efforts underway to improve their coverage. Yeah, so the good only, for them. The only thing in. is, I thought, we, I thought we burned the olive branch. So we must have found another one in order to, <laughs> to extend it. Yeah, Dave, David Eckert's his name, and he covered Penn State football. So, you know, a guy with, with the, that's watched great football and, and happy to have him. So, yeah, we, we found another olive branch, and we're extending it out. Yeah, yeah that'll look be fun. forward to having him on, yeah. Real quick Penn State story. You know uh, Regal Napier. Yes. Regal Napier tells me the story of when uh, Jeff Bauer took the Golden Eagles up there, and he said he's standing outside the stadium. And he was first taken back at how, about how isolated the stadium was. There was just nothing around it. And he said, coming down this little two-lane road were these two old white beat-up-looking school buses, and he's thinking, what is that? Well, come to find out, that's what Penn State came to the games in, these old beat-up, nondescript white buses. He said he was standing there, and the buses pulled up, and they started unloading, and all the linemen started getting off, and he thought to himself, oh, no. <laughs> and, Big old dudes. And, and Regal Napier was a longtime sports information director at Southern Miss and, and a uh, sports anchor at WDAM-TV uh, back in the day, as they say. Retired. I talked to him last night. He was kicked up in the Smoky Mountains of uh, the the edge of North Carolina, Tennessee line. So, Regal's living the good life. Yeah, we wish him and Pam the very best. No question. Back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Hope you'll join us. Until then, Southern Miss. To to the the top. Mississippi Media Production.